There's no way Jen's hair would look like that when she woke up in the morning. <laughs> you think it looks good? I think it looks terrible and hilarious. No, it looks bad, but it wouldn't. It looks like they quaffed it. Like she was rode hard and put away wet. There was four <laughs> condom wrappers. Kyle Dawson, look, there's your mom. Back to you, Bob. Hello and welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 207, The All-Nighter, originally airing on November 18th, 1998. So good. I mean, we say it every time, but when it's true, it's true. This is a classic season two episode, I feel like. Lots of new teen dynamic-y characters. It's a little bit reminiscent to me of Breakfast Club, the all together in the thing boiler pot. Yes, I would almost guarantee you that when they were breaking the season, when they were talking about episodes, they said, what's this season's Breakfast Club episode going to be? I could almost guarantee you that happened. Well, this week we are drinking, appropriately, the all-nighter. It is two ounces of bourbon, one ounce of cold brew, half ounce of coffee liqueur, a dash of orange bitters, two dashes of chocolate bitters, two dashes of Angostura bitters, and a twist of orange. And it tastes exactly as you think it would. Delicious. I've been really getting into coffee drinks, like espresso martinis. I feel like everyone I talk to is into espresso martinis right now. My problem is like, I'm very caffeine sensitive. This will probably keep me up for three days. But like, I feel like I can't order an espresso martini too late. Like at night, I'm like a grandma. Well. Yeah. Do you want to tell us what this episode's about? I sure do. I've never wanted to do anything more. (laughs) We kick off this episode in Dawson's bedroom where he's watching a movie with Gail. Since she was just dumped by Mitch and he was just dumped by Joey, they're having a dumpy movie night. Dawson is worried about his mom because she hasn't stopped crying. She's even cried at the commercials. And she says she's worried about Dawson because he hasn't let himself really wallow or grieve in his breakup with Joey. And she says that he really needs to do that in order to become a more actualized individual. She hopes that she was a good substitute for movie night as Dawson longingly looks at his window, missing Joey. So at school the next day, their English literature teacher, Mr. Peterson, warns all of the kids that this upcoming midterm is the biggest test of their high school career, and they're likely going to fail it. But he tells them not to worry, he's having a study session after school. As it turns out, when they show up to the study session, he is too sick and has canceled it. So another student, Chris Wolf, offers to host Jen at his house for a study session, since his parents were out of town. She says no, because she's heard some things about his reputation. So he invites the group over as a way to get Jen to say yes, and it works. So just to run down the dynamics here as we head into this all-nighter study session at Chris's house, Dawson and Joey are fighting because she dumped him and asked for space, but she didn't think that it would mean a total communication cutoff. Andy is taking a purity test at one of those teen magazines, which is making Pacey very nervous because he doesn't want her to find out about his past. And Chris, the host of the study session, is in hot pursuit of Jen, who doesn't like his reputation as a womanizer, but decides to get to know him and give him a chance. So as they arrive at Chris's house, they see that it is huge. His parents are loaded, and like we said, they're on vacation, but his sister Dina is there, and it appears that she has a little crush on Dawson. Andy has anointed herself the leader of the study session, but things quickly go off the rails when it becomes clear that no one is interested in studying. As a compromise, 
Andy decides to lean into this. So if they're going to procrastinate, they're going to do it her way. So she gives everyone the purity test, which causes tons of tension and sets off huge fights between Pacey and Andy, as well as Dawson and Joey. So as they're tallying the results, Andy realizes that Pacey didn't turn in his tests. And Chris outs Pacey and says that he must not have wanted to turn his in because of the question about having sex with someone twice your age. He asks Pacey if the rumors were true. Did he really sleep with Miss Jacobs? Pacey's silence speaks volumes and Andy is crushed. Pacey previously told her that he was embarrassingly pure. She feels lied to and humiliated. Later, Pacey alludes to Andy that he wanted Miss Jacobs mostly for the sex and she can't believe that he's like that. And Pacey says that everyone is like that. Things always come down to sex. That's why that's all any of them do is talk about sex. And all they do is joke about sex. And all they do is take tests about sex. So meanwhile, Chris's sister, Dina, who, like we said, has a crush on Dawson, tells Dawson that Joey put down in the test that she's been in love twice, which sends Dawson spiraling and they get into a huge fight. Dawson says that he wishes he never kissed Joey. And Dawson lashes out at Dina, telling her that she should not rush into her first kiss because it always leads to drama and tons of heartache. He's definitely doing the wallowing and grieving that Gail was urging him to do at the beginning of the episode. And later, Joey comforts Dina by saying that, yes, some kisses are awful, but some are magic and they make up for all the awful ones. So Dawson really does not like Chris and he does not like how Chris is trying to seduce Jen. And he tries to warn Jen, but Jen says that she has a master plan herself. And eventually Chris and Jen sleep together and he ends up leaving her in bed the next morning, proving Dawson right. And even though Jen just wanted to have fun too, it still stings a little. So exhausted by all the drama and fighting, they fall asleep and they wake up at 6 a.m. the next morning, panicking that they only have four hours until the tests. Led by Pacey, a professional procrastinator and crammer, they scramble and study it all. So Pacey and Andy make up. She says that, you know, she's kept secrets from him too, so she can't be mad at him for that. She's kept her family secrets. She really was more upset about how experienced he is and how inexperienced she is. He teases her and they tell each other that they love to hate the other. Dawson and Joey make up too. Joey tells Dawson that the two men that she put down on the purity test that she was in love with were both him, once as a friend and once as a boyfriend. Dawson agrees to give Joey the space that she asked for. He says he doesn't regret the kiss and that he will always have feelings for her. So they all arrive at Caveside High to learn that the test has been postponed due to Mr. Peterson still being sick. So they all take a nap on the football field together, which concludes episode 207, The All-Nighter. Good job. That was a tricky one to recap. It is a trick. Usually I like to break it up by like story. This is the Dawson and Joey story. This was, But the stories all, they kind of just wove in and out and there was lots of, everything was kind of like a domino effect. Mm-hmm. House of cards, I should say, not domino effect. Well, this episode introduces a new writer to us and it is Mr. Greg Berlanti. This was his first writing job and then he immediately goes on to become the creator developer that we know him to be today. He created Jack and Bobby, Everwood, Eli Stone, Political Animals, You. He co-created No Ordinary Family with John Harmon Feldman, which I didn't realize. And then he developed basically everything for the CW at this point. All of the DC stuff, the Tomorrow People, Arrow, Stargirl, Supergirl, Legends of Tomorrow, Titans, Flash, and most recently, Superman and Lois. So he's just like a juggernaut over there. This episode, I would say, is historic because if this is his first episode of TV, it's literally like Ryan Murphy, Shonda Rhimes, Greg Berlanti, like those three are the... Yeah. And I guess Chuck Lorre, if you want to throw in like a comedy. Between those four, they they cover a lot of shows. 
Yeah, they're their own little empires. They really are. It's pretty incredible. And I just remember when I worked at Warner Brothers, there were it was like literally the Berlanti building. Like he just had a whole bunch of shows in one building shooting and writing and posting at the same time. And Julie Pleck works with him, who was Kevin Williamson's assistant. We, we touched on her a little bit last season. Yeah. And we'll have to fact check this or someone will let me know, but I'm pretty sure. So Kevin Williamson was the showrunner of season one. And I think he was kind of hands off the hands on season two. But I think he leaves the show to Greg Berlanti for season three. And Greg was like insanely young. And it was a very rare, weird stars aligned. I mean, I'm sure he was impressive during season two. And that's why they did it. But he kind of inherited the show from Kevin. Maybe he co-inherit like inherit it with someone else for season three but then i think by season five and six he was fully in charge which is insane because i think he was very young i was surprised that it's literally dawson's and then he has an episode of young americans he has a feature that he wrote and directed and then he just immediately goes into creating series so obviously he was very impressive to a lot of people because <laughs> mm. he got a lot of people to say yes to him pretty pretty much right off the bat yeah. He also directed the movie Love, Simon, which I really liked. Which was like the first, it was the first theatrically released gay rom-com. There you go. So he's obviously killing the game. And this was his first episode, which is... Something worth celebrating. Yeah, I mean, when I saw that he was the writer in the opening credits, I was shocked. Because I really didn't think he... I, I, I knew he wrote one in late season two, but I didn't know he had... I did not know he had written this. And they paired him up with director David Semmel, who is kind of the season two old reliable. He's with us, I think, nine episodes this season. So it was just a really good duo. Great duo. Great episode. Who are you giving that guest cast shout out to? I am giving guest cast shout out this week to Jason Bear, who plays Chris Wolf. This is his first episode with us, but he is with us for six episodes this season. He has 30 credits, but most notably, he was the male lead in Roswell. Did you watch Roswell? I, You know what? That was like the one WB show I never really, really got into. Yeah, I didn't either. But people love it. Yeah, I know the general gist of it. And I mean, I love a Dido moment. And Dido did the the theme. This like She's featured on the soundtrack. She has that song, Isabel, which was... Catherine Heigl's character like I know the I know the the lore yeah well he is a good little actor like I said his most recent credit is five episodes of Supergirl which I just told you is a Berlanti joint so there's a little crossover there oh another fun fact about him he and Michelle Williams previously appeared in the same episode of Step by Step Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> Isn't it? He's actually great. I love the character of Chris. He's a little, we've talked about it, like Abby was kind of this, like a little poker. Like he likes to just get mm-hmm. these little Instigator. fire starter. Instigator. He likes to poke around, which is another interesting thing. If they did sit down and were like, what's the Breakfast Club episode of this year going to be? We we need like an Abby Morgan type character. Do we want to talk about music? I think we should. Do you have anything that stood out to you? I will say, I think this is one of the episodes where the music was mostly untouched. The only thing I could super vividly remember was in the final scene when they're finally sleeping on the football field. Yeah. Who Needs Sleep by the Bare Naked Ladies plays. And that's really the only really memorable song that I could think of. Yeah, that was mine too. And I feel like there's something about the Bare Naked Ladies that's so distinguishable. Like when you hear them, you're like, oh, that's the Bare Naked Ladies. So it always stood out to me. 
And so hearing it this time around, I was like, oh, I remember this. Yeah. And they've they've had a few songs on Dawson's. So I weirdly mm-hmm. equate Bare Naked Ladies to Dawson's. They really, they were a big one that they played a lot. What genre is like Bare Naked Ladies and like Real Big Fish? Like, what is that? Like big band ska? Well, or like, what Real that? Big Fish, I would definitely say ska. Bare Naked Ladies, I feel like is more like folky pop rock or something. I mean, they're Canadian, right? I love a Canadian moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the music, there is a Switchfoot song that plays while Chris and Jenner in the hot tub. And like, I generally, look, Switchfoot, I'll walk to remember, dear God. Oh, don't Switchfoot get me started. does like every song on that. And I saw them at Kaboo in San Diego a few years ago. And I oh was like, yeah. <laughs> There was like 40 people in the crowd because Kaboo's one of those festivals where like you move around. And yeah, yeah. Switchfoot's playing on the sunset stage on the left fairground <laughs> and you just kind of go here here and there and everywhere. And I was like, Switchfoot, yes. All your friends are like, we're going to go to the bathroom. And you're like, great, see ya. <laughs> Catch you later. Uh-oh. No, the people I went with were big Dawson's fans. So we were all in like the... Praise. We were there, yeah. Well, that song was called You, You by Switchfoot plays when they're in the hot tub maybe greg berlanti was listening to you by switch but when probably. he developed you let us know i'm sure greg's listening yeah i mean he strikes me as the kind of guy with a lot of free time <laughs> you have any past verse present well the one thing i noticed and this is more a note with the episode that i don't think i ever noticed before at school before the study session joey is practically begging dawson to speak to her because he's been giving her the silent treatment and he's done a complete communication cutoff. And she says, you know, I've, I asked for some space, but like you're giving me like too much space. Why can't we just be friends? They see each other in the car at the study session, but there's no dialogue. The next time they see each other, Dawson is begging like Joey to speak to him. They almost like shifted where it went from her begging him to talk to her. He's giving her the silent treatment to He's begging her to speak to him. And she's like, Dawson, I asked for space. And I was just like, wait, what happened? You're getting whiplash. Yeah. So that felt like a rewriting notey. Something happened between drafts kind of a thing. And is that when they first get to the house? As soon as they get to the house and like Pacey's watching TV because Chris Wolf has like 300 channels. They're all kind of settling in. Dawson wants to talk to Joey. And she's like, Dawson, I asked you for space. Just a little weird thing I noticed. No, that's interesting. I didn't clock that. Because she is upfront and very like, are we going to ever talk to each other again? Like, what's the deal? And I guess the other thing, past versus present, is after Chris and Jen have sex all night, apparently, there's just like a lot of condom wrappers (laughs) on them. And I was just like, how many? I mean, good for them. 16 year olds you know it's a different whole different ball game there's at least two rappers but i think there was like four and maybe. it's like a durex commercial it's so well staged there's no way jen's hair would look like that when she woke up in the morning <laughs> you think it looks good i think it looks terrible and hilarious <laughs> no it looks bad but it wouldn't it looks like they quaffed it like she was rode hard and put away wet there was four <laughs> condom wrappers <laughs> She was sweating. She was everything. God knows what's in that hair. Uh, They use use protection. So we know what's not in that hair. Can I just say that I love Jen's hair in season two. Like what is happening? I'm obsessed with it. Love the butterfly clips. Love. I love the butterfly clips. They're 
there is like a thing about it where it does look like she had rollers in and then never brushed it out. I know. It's amazing. Good for her. These people in Cape Side are struggling because when Joey's first fighting with Dawson too, I mean, she she does reference the screaming baby. It, you know, we know that she's a new nephew at home. She doesn't look like she slept either. And also, I don't really like her hairstyle in this episode either. If we're if we're picking people apart. Yeah, what else do we <laughs> what else do we do here? She's like, look, my life is really hard, okay? And she shows up just she took time to curl her hair. That's not the Joey that we know. Yeah, Joey was a little annoying in this episode, uh, I think. Yeah, we can get into well, it. Look, we can get into it. But now that Andy McPhee has shown up, all the girls need to step it up. Andy McPhee is the boss bitch for me. I think that she's a little annoying. You better watch your mouth or I'll clean up with soap. Well, now that we've just dived right in, should we open it up? Oh, yeah. What's your passport's present? Well, I think my my only thing, I think previously, I thought that Chris was a scumbag. And I mean, Chris is probably a scumbag for sure. Yeah. But yes. he is very upfront with Jen. Maybe not. Maybe it's a little bit ambiguous, but he's like, same page. Like they're try- he's trying to make it clear that he just wants to sleep with her. And she says to Dawson... Maybe I have an agenda too. Like she's playing it like she's on board with all of it. And she's like, yeah, same page, Chris and all this stuff. And then she has this moment of being like sad in the morning. It's a very 2023 way of looking at it, I think. But I wish they made her like a strong sex positive lady. All right. So now that you brought it up, like this was something I wanted to talk about. I couldn't tell if the Chris Jen dynamic was like brilliantly nuanced or sloppily constructed because he has a reputation as being a womanizer jen says no 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 he convinces her to give him a chance and in the hot tub he's like i just want to have fun i just want he kind of romances her but he just wants to have fun he just wants he tells dawson that he really wants to sleep with jen and when you see that guest room light go out you'll know that i'm sleeping with her dawson tries to warn jen and jen it feels like in that scene jen would have been like i'm giving him a chance he seems was cool but she says no you know i have a master plan too and then yeah and then she's kind of stung the next morning so to your point they should have just gone fully in on her being a strong sex positive woman or they should have gone the other way and she should have just been more naive naive yeah i just think from a story point of view but they definitely blurred it a little which is a choice and i mean it all works this is a great episode but you know we're on a podcast where we're picking things apart so (laughs) to split hairs was it brilliantly nuanced or just sloppily constructed but still they kind of salvaged it i don't know yeah i mean dawson so plainly says to her chris wants to have sex with you and she's like i know basically that's how that conversation goes so it's like you know that she knows what she's stepping into it's also a matter of dawson when dawson says to Chris, Jen's really, he doesn't say vulnerable. I forgot what he says, but I think he says like she's in a really weird stage right now where she's like kind of lost. So maybe it is just that her own feelings are complicated and she thought that she could do the things that she used to do, feel the same way and she can't anymore or something. But I don't know. I found it to be interesting. Yeah. I love a season two Jen. (laughs) Season two Jen with her season two hair and her, her season two fashion, which is like tragic. How many butterfly clips can one little short haircut hold? I guess we should just open it up. 
Let's do it. The first thing I wrote down is, I wonder if Gail is realizing in this moment what an annoying little freak she birthed and raised. <laughs> the way in the cold open, he's going on about like Shakespeare movies and how Shakespeare, you know, is brilliant because he's done every genre. He's done, you know, drama, comedy, revenge, this, that and the other. But the genre that he perfected was like was some... I don't know. I can't even listen to him. He's just droning on. <laughs> but also, they zoom in on the Terms of Endearment VHS in the cold open. So I'm assuming they watched Terms of Endearment and now have switched to a Shakespeare movie. And Dawson's bed is littered in Gail's Kleenex. Well, Terms tears. of Endearment is a right. heart-wrenching movie. No Mitch this episode, no Grams, no Jack. So it's just Gail and Dawson chilling. I don't know if we've ever had Gail in a cold open before. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, just the one. Was she there with the sausage making commercial? Oh, she yes. was there. Okay. In my head, that was Mitch, but. I think it was both of them. She, like, he's just droning on and on and on. And she's like, please shut up, Dawson. I don't want to talk to you. Anyway, the purity test stuff really brought me back. I feel like all of those, did you read those magazines when you were in high school? So I used to go to CVS and like walk around with my mom and I would grab a teen Vogue and a YM and just, mm -hmm. I don't know if I did the quizzes, but I used to like peruse those. Yeah. Because there was usually, there was usually a WB star on, you know, like Chad Michael Murray or, you know, somebody was on those that I liked. So I'd always kind of peruse, never bought them or anything, but I wasn't a big quizzy taker. Were you? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the, there's like a whole generation of us that are scarred by those magazines between the quizzes and the stories. There were always like write-in stories and it was always like, I got my period and everyone saw it. I feel like there's yeah. one of those in every edition. There were always blowjob tips in every single one. And there was always like weight loss stuff and quizzes. So yeah, for sure. Well, this is Jane Magazine. So for people who forget or are not watching the episode we're going to tell you what the questions are during this purity test have you ever been intimately aroused by a relative have you ever experimented with bondage have you ever gotten cozy in an airplane or in a public place or in your parents bed have you ever caught your parents having sex have you ever named your most private of regions have you ever participated in or engaged in sexual activity with a member of the same sex or with the transvestite or with the four-legged creature have you ever paid for sex? Have you ever fantasized about a friend's significant other? Have you ever had an affair with a friend's significant other? Have you ever had an affair with a friend's pet? How many times have you been in love? Give yourself a point for each time. So those are the questions. And then also, of course, the one that's not asked on screen until later, which is, have you ever had sex with someone twice your age? Yeah, the teen magazine quiz culture was like a real thing. So if oh, you didn't... Yeah. I, like if you didn't grow up watch in that, you're not really going to get it, you know, but it was. I mean, it was like the before BuzzFeed, BuzzFeed, mm. but you actually had to pay attention and like tally your points. <laughs> I love it. I loved when Pacey said they have a satellite dish. <laughs> like it was the craziest thing ever. Do you know what was triggering? Mm. Those blue books that Mr. Peterson handed out for the midterm. Oh, my gosh. Did you have I... those? I did. We did have those blue book test. Ugh. Yeah, but they were only for midterms or finals. So like yeah. this was very this was very triggering. 
I feel like I didn't have them though until college. We had them in high school. I love how real that was. I noticed in this episode that Andy has a tick where she goes, no, 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 no. She says it a lot. She's like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. No, 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 no. We're doing that. Or Pacey will ask her a question. She'll be like, no, 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 no. She said she never just says no. She says no four times. Andy is so cute. She is so <laughs> cute. You know what I realized in this? She has a nice rack. I told you in her in the episode at the party on the boat when she was in her bikini all day. I was like, she has a slamming body. Yeah. Okay. So in this episode at the end, when they're when they're in between their 6 a.m. study session and the 10 a.m. test, they jump in the pool. And so the next scene is Pacey and Andy making up when they say that they love to hate each other. And she is just in a wet shirt and she's good for her. I know. She won't be a virgin for long. Yeah, she's 90, 92% pure with that little body. <laughs> good for oh her. Oh my God. Well, she's been dealing with a lot of family trauma. She hasn't been <laughs> able to play as much. Her plate has been full. Okay. <laughs> what is your take on Dawson? And Dawson's interactions with Dina, the little sister. So they're probably 15, 16, right? And Dina's like 12, 13. So it, it really isn't that creepy. But since James Vanderbilt looks so old, it's so he's weird. He's a man. He kisses her on the forehead at the end when he's walking out of the house. And it is weird. He full-blown melts down yelling at her at one point. And then he kisses her on the forehead when she's sleeping. It's too much. I wanted to rip my skin off. Yeah, I watched that scene through my fingers. So cringy. But something about him yelling at her cracked me up. (laughs) Let's back it up. So for full context for the people who hate the show and just love us and are listening to this, which is mostly everyone. um, (laughs) This little nerdy, cute girl, little sister of Chris has a crush on Dawson and she's kind of this funny little sounding board, someone for Dawson to play off of the whole episode. She reveals to Dawson that, Ooh, the girl you like wrote down a very interesting answer. I bet you'd like to know. She wrote that she was in love twice. He blows up at her kind of misdirected anger. He's fighting with Joey. Then he pivots to her and he's like, you know, she tries to blackmail Dawson basically into giving her a little smooch to find out what Joey's answer was on the test. And then he kind of says, you want your first kiss so badly? Like, just remember that kisses change everything. And there's heartache and there's drama and, you know, your dreams become a nightmare, all of this stuff. She basically cries, storms off. And then Joey comforts her at the end of the episode when Dawson's walking out of the house. He gives her a kiss on the forehead while she's sleeping. And then turns out she's not really asleep. She like smiles. <laughs> so and it's creepy. for sure creepy. And she's just like this little... Like the family is so rich. The parents are on vacation. They just left their kids behind. Their son is probably out all over the town. So this little girl's just like ruling the roost. A little rich kid ruling the roost. Chris is like, we haven't really said this yet. Chris is like very good looking. He's like hot. Yes. And this girl is like not hot. (laughs) They made her to be an awkward young girl. Like she has short hair, short bangs, big glasses. They dressed her like a dweeb yeah i mean middle school kids were built different then we were so awkward yeah we didn't have tiktok now they're like all supermodels i forget where i was going with that rant but well i guess he just he just got all the looks in the wolf family i guess maybe she's gonna blossom good luck (laughs) you might need a surgeon (laughs) she couldn't afford one 
Oh yeah, they rich. They rich, honey. They rich, rich. They're the kind of rich that has extra brand new bathing suits in the guest room just in case <sighs> anyone decides they want to take a dip. Yeah. Okay. Look, can we talk about how stupid that scene was? Joey and Jen get into a fight in this episode for no reason. I didn't even include it in the recap. I was like, this is stupid. And it's a very quick. Yeah. And Joey's like, don't you ever just get sick of talking? And then Jen is like, I do get sick of talking. <laughs> you know what I noticed in this episode? Dawson makes a bunch of jabs at Pacey's intelligence. It was really annoying. I didn't clock it. I mean, it's not the first time. No. When Pacey's inviting him to the study session, Dawson's like, what do you mean? Like a party? An all night banger? A uh, trip to Disneyland? And Pacey's like, no, like an actual study session. Remember, Dawson's a loser. Dawson is trying so hard to maintain control of every single thing. Like, it feels like he's going to explode in this episode when he's like, but Jen might be sleeping with this guy and I got to keep an eye out for her. And Joey's doesn't want to talk to me, but she does want to talk to me, but she doesn't want to talk to me. And I got to pay attention to her. And we have to study for a test. And this little girl wants me to kiss her. Like, he's just like a little (laughs) ball of energy. But I remember kind of being like that like i used to get mad at my friends when they would hook up and things i don't know why it's like no guys don't do that (laughs) guys you need to be pure not like we need to be pure but like it was probably like an insecurity like self-hatey i'm not doing it so you can't kind of a thing but i was like that i really just miss like 90s home decor sure i also watched scream last night and i just love all those houses i love a wallpaper moment the wolf's house has lots of wallpaper I love a lot of I mean, windows and a lot and like the many panes in the windows. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think I think we've talked about it when, when they showed the McPhee house. I just love 90s houses. Like the sconces, the either the wallpaper or just like a bold colored room. The 90s loved a maroon room. Oh, yeah. We had a maroon dining room for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, we did. My parents were like a wallpaper. We were a wallpaper family. So it was like wallpaper, border. Our house didn't have sconces, though. I always wanted a sconce house. Well, that's rich people stuff. That's like, oh, we brought in electrician <laughs> and he put new holes and ran new wires. You're basically like you didn't have a sconce. You're a poor trash. <laughs> no, no. You, you're probably upper middle class. I'm talking rich, rich. In the 90s, sconces. No. You, want, you sconce. want to put a new wire in the wall? There's no internet to teach you how to do that. You need to hire someone and he's got to come to your house to do it. You know, we did have, we had the, we still have it. Jesus. Well, hardwood steps, but Uh like the middle. Oh, a runner. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's classy. Maybe you were rich. I'm sorry. For our town, we we did okay, but we're LA poor. Most people are. The evolution of the family going up the stairs. School pictures or the whole family? Parents as babies, <laughs> us as babies. That's really it. Just, just everyone's okay. baby pictures. I just had drinks with someone the other day. And I think her daughter's in like fourth grade or third grade, something like that. And every school picture day, she sends her in a black turtleneck <laughs> because she's like, I'm playing the long game. I want it to be like all pictures of her in the same exact outfit. She's like, my teachers think I'm I'm a freak, but. I'm playing the long game here. I was like, I love that. At least they won't be they won't be pictures where you look back and you're like, oh, they're my so outfit. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a little Steve Jobs. You know what I want to know? Why does this professor or this teacher speak in riddles? Like he's some sort of bridge <laughs> troll. Hello, students. You think you're so smart, but didn't you know that you didn't study enough? I'm going to. It's just so. I don't know. The cadence of it is 
Very interesting. So this teacher is a monster. He basically tells them that the midterm is going to be the hardest test of their life. It's worth 50% of their grade, which is insane. And he is very antagonistic, which will come into play later in season two. Just remember, Mr. Peterson, the name will remind you, but he's a monster. And he then cancels the study session and then he postpones the test. You you would have been pissed. High school Micah would have been losing yeah, yeah, his yeah, yeah. mind. Story-wise, it just would have made there be no study session and the, the study session just comes across organically. But him canceling the test, I thought was it was cute. Because they cram all night and they're so ready for it. And then they don't, you know, they got sleep, but not a lot. And then it gets canceled and they get to sleep. But they're ready for the test. It's all going to fall right out of their little brains. Cramming never sticks. How do we feel about no Jack in this episode? Did you miss him? Did you notice? I think like we've talked about, they used Jack very brilliantly. And I like that they gave him a little rest. Yeah, I didn't miss him, but I love him. I like that I, he really would have felt extraneous and wedged in, I think. And it would have been like an added layer of tension that we didn't need. You needed this moment for Dawson and Joey to breathe. Shows back then just they played every beat and they knew when to play it. You know, like Dawson and Joey need an episode just themselves. And then next week we'll deal with Jack. And then next week we'll deal with Jack and Dawson. Like they're really good at knowing that versus shows nowadays. It's just they throw the whole kitchen sink at you. And it's just sometimes things need a slow burn. You know? Yeah. Especially, and it's so funny because things then had a slower burn when they were week to week. And now that we binge things, things have a faster pace versus, you know, in a binge culture, it feels like the slower burn should be encouraged because you watch it all in one sitting usually, or, you know, you watch all the episodes in the span of a few weeks. True. Yeah. It lends itself to a slower burn kind of formula, but. You know what bothered me and has, I think, always bothered me. Did you miss Jack? Did you miss Jack? Did you miss Jack? I, I agree with what you're saying. I noticed he wasn't there, but I don't think that I missed him. I didn't miss him, but not in a bad way. Like in a Yeah, yeah, yeah. What yeah. were you gonna say that you has always bothered you? Oh, Joey saying that she's been in love with two people. Or she's been in love twice. What? It's yeah, a little weird. No one would ever say that. She comes back to Dawson at the end of the episode when he confronts her about it and she's like, I loved you as a friend, and then I loved you after we kissed. What? Shut up. Yeah, if I were writing it, it probably should have been zero. And then he he would get mad at her for never, you know, saying that she never was in love. And then her come up with some type of thing, you know, like, I cared for you as strongly as I've ever cared for anyone. But like, I don't know if it's love. I'm 16. I'm 15. I don't know what love is versus saying she's in love twice. It was a little bit of a reach, I thought. What did you think about Pacey and Andy in this episode? I just love Pacey and Andy. I think they're the best couple ever. I really they do. They were very cute. I liked it because this was, they broached the like early relationship thing where Andy's like, no, that's not you. Why did you do it? That's not you. Like, why would you sleep with your teacher? That's not you. And it's like, no, that is him. You, you like who you think he is, not who he actually is. But then they push through it and they have like a really nice conversation. And Pace was really, really honest in this episode. I loved when he said to Dawson, Dawson asked him, why did you write it down? And he said, I didn't want to lie to her. Mm -hmm. Why did you put the truth down on the purity test? You should have just lied. And Pacey says, you know, I didn't want to lie. Yeah. Which we've talked about this. There's little moments throughout the show where it shows each of their character. Although I don't really think Dawson would have lied. But But he did say he didn't know. Pacey asks Dawson what he would have done. And he says, I don't know. 
He says, yeah, I'd like to think I wouldn't lie, but. Yeah. Pace and Andy are just so good. I think he can calm her down and deal with her anxieties in a way. And I think she brings out the best in him. I really think they're the best couple of the show. I truly do believe that. They're really they're a really, really, so really good, good couple. I know. They're so they good. Are. We don't talk about them enough. You know, it's just like Pacey and Joey or Joey and Dawson. What about Pacey and Andy? God damn it. I've had one too many all-nighters. <laughs> all jacked up on cold brew and <laughs> bourbon or whatever this is. I think that's all I have. Do you have anything else that stood out to you? I can just say, like, you wanted to be those kids who had a study session with the cool, hot kid. And then, you know. And then all jumped in the pool the next morning. Like, it's just very fun and free and nostalgic. And it had that relatable, aspirational element that we just love from this show. That's why we come here. We come here for magic. (laughs) Boy, does it deliver. (laughs) all right should we do a creek speak yeah i have a creek speak for this week it's from s past or spast 794 on apple podcasts it just says excellent podcast i've listened to many recap podcasts before and this one just flows perfectly and they actually recap the episodes i cannot wait until season two well season two is here baby so get excited and yeah, boy. kudos to you, Micah, for actually writing coherent recaps of every episode. You know what? It is not easy. It is not easy. I spend a good sometimes like 90 minutes writing those just because, you know, the order of things is really important. But shout out to speech to text. I don't know if anyone uses that. I use like a, I recap them out loud. This website basically will translate your words into text. My uncle, I used to work for my uncle's law firm and he would dictate stuff into a tape cassette recorder and then i would have to listen on headphones and type it out so i was basically human voice to text oh my gosh that's hard to just rewind a lot yes pause rewind pause rewind yeah (laughs) i remember i was a logger for like an hour a reality tv logger you had the job for an hour yeah i couldn't do it i couldn't keep up with it it's hard it's a skill and yeah oh i had i kept rewinding and it was just i felt really overwhelmed and i was like no thank you i don't think this is gonna (laughs) work out they were like sir you have been here for five minutes (laughs) bye for this week's dawson's draft we're doing best music moments so we will be saying artist, song, show, and what was going on in that scene. It's hard. I mean, I could pick probably 20. Definitely. Okay, I go first. I believe so. That's what you said. I trust you. <laughs> me. Okay. I think. Oh, <laughs> just looking I'm at your face makes me nervous. I'm just scared you're going to pick my first one. I think I'm going to take Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol on Grey's Anatomy. Okay, that was one of mine, but it's not my top. Okay. I had to take it because it's just so burned into my brain. That episode, that storyline, the Denny storyline. So emotional. For anyone who hasn't seen Grey's Anatomy, we're going to ruin it for you right now. So (laughs) skip ahead if you... But this was season two now. They're they're about to start season 20, I believe. Yeah. So You've had your uh, chance. Izzy was an intern. She fell in love with a patient who was on a donor list. He was number two on the donor list. And she cut his LVAT wire to get him up on the list. And he got the surgery, right? He got it. Everything was fine. But he had got a blood clot. And then he died. And there was a prom going on in the hospital for another patient who was like a high school senior who was missing her prom. So they were going to go to prom together. And while she was changing, he died. 
And she's like, I was so stupid. I changed my dress three times. I would have been here. It's awful. I mean, it is It is so sad. The impact, the impact. Well, that's a great number one, but it's not my number one. Thank God. What's your number one? Oh God, it's going to be one of mine. So my number one is Breathe Me by Sia, Six Feet Under. That's a good one. I actually haven't finished Six Feet Under and that's in the finale, right? That's the like final. Yeah. You don't know what happens. I'm sure at some point somebody has ruined it for me and I just forget. Six Feet Under was a show where someone always died in the cold open and they ran a funeral home. So that episode would be them preparing that person's funeral and their lives and their deaths always were applicable to what the characters in the show were going through. And basically the last few minutes of Six Feet Under, it shows you, it's a flash forward montage where they show you how every character is going to die. And they play Breathe Me by Sia. And I had a nervous breakdown the first time I watched it. I have a nervous breakdown actually every time I watch it. And it's unreal. For my second pick, I think I need to choose Daydream Believer by Mary Beth. Don't know how to say her last name. Oh, for Dawson's. Yeah. I have that scene quite literally burned into my brain. I rewatched it in prep for this and I knew every word of that scene. The song itself brings me back to that scene, but in the moment, the song didn't necessarily have that impact on me where I was like, oh my gosh, this song is everything. But because the song always brings me back to that moment and that moment is so good to me when Pacey is kind of begging, not begging actually by any means, he's very much so saying to Joey, I've been trying and you know how I feel. And if I don't get anything back from you, then it is what it is and I have to go. And she finally reciprocates. It's just a wonderful moment. It's really great. This is a Dawson's Creek podcast after all. It is. And so that is the moment where Joey kind of gives in to Pacey's pursuit. Yes. It's a great episode and a great scene. And like I said, did I want Dawson Endgame? Yes. Am I doubting that now in the rewatch at 40? <laughs> yes. That's my number two. For my number two, I am going to go with, again, for cultural impact, like Chasing Cars and Breathe Me, they like took, they weren't just on the show, like they took over like airwaves and just, people just love them. I'm going to go with Hide and Seek by Imogen. Oh, uh, yes. I know this is on your list probably. It is. From the, <laughs> from the OC when Marissa Cooper shoots Trey. Yeah. Trey is about to beat Ryan to death with a phone. To death. So Trey and Ryan are brothers. For anyone who does not know, Ryan Ryan Atwood is Marissa's boyfriend, the love interest, the blonde guy you see in all the OC posters. And he and his brother get into a horrible fight in the season two finale. And Trey is beating Ryan to death. And he picks mm-hmm. up a telephone, like an old rotary phone. Ryan's face is bloodied. He's about to put the nail in his coffin. Marissa, Seth, and Summer burst in, or maybe just, it's actually just Marissa. I think it's just Marissa, yeah. And she shoots him, and the second she shoots it, it's like the first sound of that where are we? That song also, it was like everywhere and like she was had just been on like the Garden State soundtrack, Imogen Heap, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was just, everyone was playing hide and seek. That was on my list for sure. I think I'm gonna take... You Got the Love by Candy Statton from Sex and the City. That was on my list. It's another one that will always make me think of the show. And movies aside and spinoff series aside, that final scene of the original series is just such a good tie-up of everybody. Like everybody's kind of living their happy endings and Carrie's voiceover is very like hopeful and about being 
yourself and being with your friends and being happy. And then you finally get that reveal of Big's name. And it's just like a very uplifting last moment for the series. I love when she walks into the diner and the girls go crazy. I could picture Miranda's face screaming. Yeah. For my number three, I'm going to pick Fix You by Coldplay from the OC. It's a great one too. Julie Cooper Nickel, who's married to Caleb, she's planning to poison him via margarita to get his money. And she changes her mind and she swats the margarita out of his hand and she goes in to make more. And while she's inside... He has a heart attack and falls into the pool and dies. And then coming out and go, that's going, that's in the midst of the music moment, but going into the moment, Ryan and Marissa reunite at like the OC ball, I believe it's called. And then at the end, Sandy Cohen is confronting Kirsten about being an alcoholic and sneaking yes. alcohol everywhere. Cause she, I think she was supposed to have stopped drinking and he caught her, he caught, he found it somewhere in the house. And then they get the call that her dad is dead in the middle of this awful, huge fight. And it's just a great. I've never heard Fix You by Coldplay and not thought of Caleb Nickel. I think for my fourth, I'm going to pick something more recent, but it's kind of for the same thing, same reason you were saying, like it was everywhere, playing constantly on TikTok, on radio, everywhere. And it's Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush from Stranger Things. Obviously, it's an older song that was like revived in the show, but it was just such a good moment. It's when... Max is being held up by Vecna and she's like on the brink about to die in the way that we've seen so many other people die throughout the season. And the guys put her Walkman on her head and play the song and she hears it and they enhance it with score. And it's like this big building moment as she's running and trying to get out of Vecna's grasp. And it's just so good. So good. Unreal. I love that season. I'm going to rewatch for Halloween. Like I said, they play that song a lot in that season, right? Yeah, because it's like her touchstone. It's what keeps her grounded and like in not in the upside down. Yeah, and that's a huge song from the 80s. But now, I mean, my six-year-old niece knows it. She plays it on the guitar. That's crazy. How do we choose? Do we choose what's our favorite song? Do we choose how powerful the moment was? Do we choose what we think people will know, what we know? I know. know? I'm going to go with Greenlight by Lord from New Girl. And I don't pick comedies a lot. there was this scene where Nick and Jess were trying to tell each other that they loved each other and they kept missing each other and Greenlight was playing and Greenlight's like one of my favorite songs, probably like top 50 favorite songs of all time, which sounds like a lot, but you know, I've been alive a long time and I listen to a lot of music and they just keep missing each other. And like, she's up in the loft and he's down in the street and then they keep, and it's so good. That show actually had a lot of great music moments. I didn't put any of them on my list, but there are definitely a ton of songs that made it to my playlists that I had never yeah, heard before from that show. I don't love to pick comedies for Dawson's Draft, but I mean, I, I just, I listened to that song so much. It would be, and I always think of the show, so it would be weird not to. I feel like we should do more than five. I have so many songs left. I could do seven. Let's do seven. I mean, we make the rules. We do make the rules. Or we could do 15 and we can agree on the 15th. Oh yeah. That's not a bad idea. Okay. If we're doing more than five, then my fifth pick is Make Your Own Kind of Music by Cass Elliott from Lost. And it is in the season one finale when we've been living with these characters out on the island. There are polar bears. There's like so much going on. You don't really understand where they are. They're trapped. They've had this plane crash. They find this hatch. And then the end of season one 
it just cuts to this music montage of a guy going through his morning routine, making a smoothie, like exercising, inject himself with something, type the numbers into the computer, and then the record scratches and you realize that Jack and Locke are trying to break into the hatch. And it is such a good cliffhanger. It's one of the best, I think, season one cliffhangers in my recent memory. Every time I hear that song, I think of Lost. No one did season finale cliffhangers like Lost. That is so good. A fact. So for my fifth, so I'm going to pick Rocket Man by Elton John from Nip Tuck. And, you know, Nip Tuck was a great show. And it was one of, like, I still think it's one of the best first seasons of a show of all time. It was just so well arced out and structured. 13 episodes, clean, tight, everything came back. But the last few seasons were really rough. So it kind of taints the show in my memory a little bit. But when I think of season one, two, and three, it's just so good. So the context of this scene is um, Sean, one of the main surgeons, he's been having an affair with this woman who came in to get breast implants because she had had a mastectomy. And they have an affair. And in the midst of this affair, she finds out that uh, her cancer is back and she's terminal. And instead of fighting it, you basically see her in a hotel. She puts the song on, like in a, in a CD player. And then she takes these pills. She writes a letter. And... She lays down, and then the reveal is that he's there in the room with her. So he's, like, helping her. Oh, wow. And then he puts a bag over her head, or maybe she does it, and then he just sits there and cries as she kills herself. Because it was really tragic and awful. Now that I've written that song for you, what's your number six? (laughs) Well, I'm going to do one that also, like, this one made me cry at the time. It's... Panning for Gold by Ben Sully from Better Things. It's in season two and Sam is just like having a hard time with feeling unappreciated by her kids. All of the girls are kind of trashing her career and just like not really caring about all of the things that Sam does for them. And she's just feeling underappreciated. She was like, I don't want to have to wait until I'm dead to hear good things said about me from you guys. So she comes home from work one day and her three daughters and her two best friends have set up like a mock funeral in the living room with a ton of candles and they tell her to lay down. They have all written and they all read eulogies about her and it's so emotional and it's so sweet. And that song just had such a hold on me for a while. I would listen to it on repeat. I just think it's a beautiful, I think in general, it's a beautiful song, but I think that because I think of that scene when I listen to it as well, it's like even more emotional. I don't know. I just thought it was a really, really good, really good episode, a really good song and a really good scene. So for my number six, you're not going to know this song. It's called Blue Parade by Sarah Sleen. And it's from Felicity. So basically in the last season of Felicity, Felicity and Noel have have a one night stand and Ben finds out and he and Felicity don't speak for like half of this episode. And then when they finally sit down, The song is playing and she's been waiting to talk to him and he sits down and he's like, what do you want to say? What do you want? And she's like, can we just be normal? Like, I don't even know what I want to say. And he's like, no, like we can't be normal. Like you destroyed our life. And then he goes out in the rain and then she goes out in the rain and it's like really sad songs playing. And she's like, I love you. And he's like, everyone who says they love me hurts me. Like I'm beginning to hate that word. And it was just like, oh, and like, I haven't rewatched Felicity a lot, especially like later seasons. But just the fact that I can still remember when it comes on my Spotify, I could picture Ben and Felicity in the rain. Chef's kiss. Okay. I think for my seventh pick, I 
think I'm going to go with a newer show again. I was literally screaming, crying, throwing up, texting you, being like, oh my God, oh my God. And it's Kissing You by Desiree on the summer I turned pretty. And it is because for people of our generation, people with heartbeats from our generation, that song will forever bring you back (laughs) to Romeo and Juliet. And the fact that they used it, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen season two of The Summer I Turned Pretty, but the song plays after like a really beautiful scene of Veli and Conrad at the beach and it's snowing and they come inside and she loses her virginity to him by the fire. And it is like a very intimate, very beautiful scene. And that song coming on was like the best gut punch I've ever had. I was like, oh my God, I was screaming. I was literally screaming alone in my house. I fully agree with you. Man. And the fact that they went into the archives and didn't do like a Taylor Swift or Olivia Rodrigo, which they're known for, which we love, but the fact that they went into the... It was That song so is incredible. Good. Incredible. Like I could I could cry when I hear it like alone in the car. Like why? Oh, absolutely. Why? These strangleholds. Oh yeah, I keep saying chokehold. It is stranglehold that I mean. If when I say no, chokehold. you're right. It's chokehold. <laughs> no, choke but I think hold. it is stranglehold. You like to get choked. I like to get strangled. <laughs> the chokehold that song has. All of the songs on that soundtrack have a weird chokehold over me. <laughs> all right. So for my number seven, I'm going with Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie in Parenthood. So this actually plays over a montage and it's a montage where Crosby gets engaged and that's kind of where the song starts. He gets engaged in the rain and it's so cute. And then they kind of cut to like all of them getting like really either bad news or something really sweet happening. And that song is is also just kind of like a powerful, the way it builds, mm-hmm. the way it builds. And uh, it's it's such a sad and cute montage. Do we want to choose one together, a 15th pick? Sure. So for our 15th pick, which is crazy, joint. but there's a, lot, there's a lot of good. Yeah, it's the joint pick. We are going to pick Invisible String by Taylor Swift for the summer I turned pretty. Yes. It's such a good and scene. It is the Conrad Belly beach scene where it snows. Snows on the beach. She says she's never been to the beach in the off season. And it's just like a beautiful light snowfall they frolic on the beach it precedes the kissing you desiree moment love making yeah it's a great <laughs> song i mean it's taylor hello you get to a music list and not put taylor on duh <laughs> that's our dawson's giraffe can you believe i mean that's the longest one we've ever done mine were breathe me by sia for six feet under imogen heap hide and seek the oc Fix You by Coldplay, The O.C., Greenlight by Lord, New Girl, Rocket Man by Elton John, Nip Tuck, Blue Parade by Sarah Sleen, Felicity, and my seventh was Transatlanticism by Death Cab for Cutie for Parenthood. Mine were Chasing Cars by Snow Patrol for Grey's Anatomy, Daydream Believer by Mary Beth Maziars for Dawson's Creek, You Got the Love by Candy Statton for Sex in the City, Make Your Own Kind of Music by Cass Elliott for Lost. Panning for Gold by Ben Sully for Better Things. Kissing You by Desiree for The Summer I Turned Pretty. And then our joint pick was Invisible String by Taylor Swift for The Summer I Turned Pretty. Yes. It's Dawson's Draft, baby. What you watching? I just started a new show called Shelter on Amazon. And I only watched one episode, but I really liked it, I must say. What is it? 
It is a show. It has a little bit of a supernatural element. This kid moves to New Jersey with his parents. Mm. Um, there's a tragic accident and he kind of has to live in this new town and there's something weird going on. We don't quite know what, but I really want to watch episode two. So I feel like they did a good job in the pilot. Nice. Aside from that, just what I've been saying, Survivor, Big Brother, all the housewives. The usuals. The usuals. What did you watch then? I am watching the new season of Welcome to Wrexham, which I talked about Welcome to Wrexham last season. It's the Ryan Reynolds, Rob McElhenney, Wales football team documentary series. But season two, I think there's about eight episodes out and I binged them all. It's one of those things where like I didn't know when they were coming out and I just kept checking periodically. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, there's a handful of episodes to watch. So I've been binging those and it's cool because there's actually a woman's team as well that they didn't really realize was part of the deal when they bought the team. So this season focuses a little bit on them, which is nice because obviously there's an ongoing conversation about the disparity between men's and women's sports. So it's cool to see them highlighting them a little bit. And yeah, I think it's a great show. I made my boyfriend start watching it from season one and he doesn't really, he didn't think he would like it and he's loving it. So I would recommend it. I think that's it. This was episode 207, The All-Nighter. So good. Next week is episode 208, The Reluctant Hero. What's the Dawson's drink? We will be drinking the picket fence. You will need bourbon, apple cider, and bitters. Sounds like a delightful fall treat. It really sounds great. All right. Well, bye. Bye.